Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert, Don Pizzette. Security specialist, Daniel Lowry. And Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, and I am joined by an amazing panel today, anchored by none other than Don Pizzette himself. Don, how you doing? I am doing great. You know, start, starting to get into the holiday season, Thanksgiving right around the corner. It's uh, it's time for some festive IT information. Are you the kind of person, though, that, that puts like the tree up before Thanksgiving? And no, just, okay. no, very strict rules around that. They have to be Respect after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah, definitely. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir, for having me back yet again to ruin your podcast. <laughs> and, and where do you stand on the when the tree goes up? So debate? we typically do our tree like the next day or After maybe, maybe that night. Just depends. Oh. Yeah. I mean, just ruin the holiday on the holiday itself. Yeah. Well, once you're fat full of turkey, you know, you're just like, whatever, let's go get a tree. Last thing you want to do is get up and get a tree. That's okay. <laughs> And we are joined as well by our special guest today, Ellen Toomey, who is the founder and CEO of You Are Techie. Ellen, how are you today? Great. Thank you so much and for having me. How many times have you listened to Mariah Carey's uh, Christmas song yet <laughs> this season? Uh, zero, because Good. I do not believe in Christmas carols until after Thanksgiving. Thank you. Oh, there you go. It's <laughs> so nice to have like-minded people on the show today and we all agree on that because welcome to the technado echo chamber yeah <laughs> don this is the time of year too where you can't like even go into the grocery store because the the cinnamon brims right I, yeah yeah fun fact i'm allergic to cinnamon and uh the oh, cinnamon brooms are overpowering this time of year yep that's how don gets out of uh, grocery shopping for assassin. three months of the year. Any ninja assassin looking to kill Don now is like, I am filling my powder balls full of cinnamon. <laughs> yeah, instead of pepper spray. It's, yeah. just, it's just cinnamon? Yeah. All right, it's fantastic. Tasty. Well, Ellen, great. we want to... <laughs> We've gotten off track already. It doesn't take long. <laughs> Ellen, we want to get to know more about you, uh, more about you, our techie. So let's go ahead and jump in with our first segment, which is rapid fire questions. Who do you work for? What's new? Who are you? What's happening? What's wrong with you? All right, Ellen. In this segment, what we're going to do is rapidly fire questions at you. You'll see a timer appear on the right side of your screen. And as it ticks down, you'll have approximately one minute to answer each question. If you take too long, Peter will buzz you. Like that, and we'll move on to the next question. Uh, we're going to rotate around, and I think we have a slightly different order today, but we are going to throw the first question from Peter. All right, so I am curious. It's an interesting company name. You are Techie. So can you tell us what the organization is? Sure. Um, you are Techie helps moms and women gain the skills and confidence to get hired in tech. And yes, the name comes from something very specific. Um, I didn't really intend to start the company. I started a Raleigh-based meetup um in our local area to help moms understand about the opportunities available in tech and they would come in with these ridiculous skills capabilities qualifications experience things like master's degrees in computer science 25 years in it and then they'd try to convince me that they weren't really that techie that's how they would say it but i'm not really that techie and uh being the bold personality that i am i would stand up and shout across the table you are techie are you kidding me i don't even have a master's degree in computer science so um i really saw this need to um, help women especially moms understand not only um how to gain the skills but then value their own skills that they already had and see themselves as techie so is this program geared toward people that are, are, or women specifically, that are already in IT and looking to go to the next level, or is it also for career changers? No, so it's really more for career changers and um, 
many of those women in the meetup were looking at different opportunities or they had taken a break or something like that. So, um, you know, that was quite a few, that was a few years ago now. So in the program, it really is for uh, career changers and we target everything at moms, but we have about 30%, I call them non-mom women. We're very open to having them as long as they'll let us uh, talk about our, our kids and, and the challenges there. Um, but I really felt like um, solving the, the gender gap in technology could be done by bringing more women into technology. So that's kind of where that all came from. Now, I know we've reported on it a few times here on the podcast, and and, and before the the pandemic, I, I really do feel like women in tech was a, a hot-button topic. A lot of people had their eyes on it, and then the pandemic hit, and I think a lot of organizations have kind of drifted away. How how would you say we've done? Like, Has that gotten better? Are we seeing more women entering the field, or is it just really about the same as it was two years ago? Uh, that's a really great question. I think it's a challenging one to answer because so many moms made the decision to stay home um, and to leave their work to help educate the children who were at home with them. I was in a unique situation where my children um, were able to stay in school because of the, they could space them out and um, very rare. Most people, their children were learning from home. So there was, you know, this mass exodus of women outside of um, of moms coming out of the workforce. However, I do think it gave the opportunity for many moms to look at it and say, hey, I want something more flexible. And, and that's something that tech, specifically like agile team, um, software development design, those type of positions offers them. So um, I would say we, we kind of took a step back and, and hopefully now we're, we're taking a step forward. So you may have kind of just answered the question I was about to ask about uh, what are the, the specific Sorry about uh, no no problem what are the specific challenges that that mothers face as opposed to, to just women or, or anyone else in IT so uh, that's kind of a new one with the pandemic of having to be home for uh, yeah. for school and those kinds of things but are there other unique challenges that that mothers face that that other people trying to get into IT don't well, you know I think that's a it's a very valid question and I would say to you um, I don't know. Um, if other people face these challenges or not. I just know what my own experience was and um, what, you know, the message that I can bring to more moms. I think the, the issue that I'm solving is that a lot of moms don't view themselves as techie. And they'll say things to me like, I can't even work the remote. I'm not techie. And I'm like, yeah, my 12 year old works it better than me because he uses it more. That has nothing to do with being good at technology or not. It's really more about exposure and experience. So um, so the, the unique challenges I think too that moms face is that they, they're often looking at their skills as a mother and in the forefront and their skills in the workforce in the background. And so that's kind of a, um, a point where I help them bridge that gap and understand which skills really are applicable in the workforce, whether they've been out of the workforce or completely as stay-at-home moms or in another industry and wanting to transition. For example, I have a lot of teachers come and they want to transition into tech. Um, so that's kind of the, the, the problem I solve. So anyone who's looking to gain skills and confidence, I think, um, you know, that's a valid experience that they have. And it's one that I had personally and, and like to share. Fantastic. And, and one more real quick. I, I know you are techie has a podcast as well. What's a typical episode look like? Are you talking with, with moms? Are you talking with industry experts? What, what's that look like? Yes and yes. So I have three types of episodes that I offer. One are people in industry who can, uh, who might hire someone of, uh, of my moms or can talk about their own career journey or talk about opportunities in tech. 
uh, success stories. So women who have gotten hired out of our membership and um, those are my favorite, I think. And then some solo episodes where I'm really trying to use my own experience and my relationships to educate the moms on what they, uh, the skills that they already have, getting hired tactics, um, confidence gaining. And then most importantly, I like to talk about uh, communicating their values, so understanding how they're building their skills and then applying that. It's it's funny, sometimes they'll learn something and then not even translate that into LinkedIn or uh, into their portfolio, not understanding how valuable it is. And so um, that's another piece to the podcast. So kind of those three types of episodes. I love how the, you call them your moms. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, my moms. I have lots of moms, oh, yeah. Moms, yeah. Congratulations, that's gotta be right. great at Christmas. <laughs> it's wonderful. The, the it's wonderful. All right. Well, uh, we want to find out a little bit more about what kind of led you down this path, and and uh, and you know, was it something that that you faced in your career that you saw the need, or, or where that came up? So let's take a look at your origin story in our next segment. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. This is a pretty hardcore origin story. All right, so I was looking down your LinkedIn, and I noticed, like, uh, you know, one of your earlier jobs was a position uh, with women in science and engineering, and where you were kind of doing something similar. And then you took like a, a UX path and went back to school and stuff. So, what what led you back to this? What got you into, uh, you know, helping, wanting to help women and and mothers get into IT? Uh, right. So um, the way I kind of describe my background, I. I have an undergrad in computer science, so I come from it from like a traditional background, which you know about half of people don't. And so I worked as a consultant for a couple of years and then I was a teacher and I taught. So in that women in science and, and engineering program, I was um, teaching girls in high school how to get into science and engineering. So um, technology specifically was my forte, but a few, a few other engineering aspects. And then what happened, so I taught it, I taught at a few different places and then I had a baby and then I had another baby. And so after two, I decided to stay home with my kids and then I had another baby and then I had another baby. <laughs> and so I had four and I stayed at home. Um, I, I say I stayed at home for about six years, kind of in quotes, because I always had like a side hustle project going on. Um, but I stayed at home. And what I realized is that when I went to return to the workforce, I actually I wanted to return in tech, not in teaching. And I started over learning. I started learning. Well, I start. I knew five programming languages, and I learned another one to get hired in tech. Not necessary, really. Coming from someone who was super confident her whole life, I played football. I uh, was class president multiple times. I'm not someone who really lacked in confidence. But what I was able to see is that I actually used over learning. Um, instead of just having the confidence to leverage my existing skills to get into industry. And if I, someone who was kind of a naturally confident person my whole life, uh, could would do that, how much more so for someone who lacks confidence, doesn't come from tech traditionally. So that is why I originally started the meetup and then uh, created the company You Are a Techie from there. So you, you stepped away from the industry for about six years, and I, mm -hmm. I've talked to a number of people that have, have, have done that for similar reasons. Maybe they, they started a family, maybe they enlisted in the military for a period or, or something right. that, that yeah. caused them to 
<laughs> yeah. Prison. Prison, oh, prison. Right. Yeah, maybe. maybe. <laughs> it's a lovely tattoo you have under your eye there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so one challenge people have, though, is that tech skills get they get outdated so quickly, right? Really, it's, it's like three years for skills to become old, seven years and they're obsolete. So uh, what what were some of the things that you did or some of the things you encouraged people to do to like try and keep their skills sharp? Or do you just not worry about it and kind of relearn when you're ready to go back in? I would say that's a great question. The way that I view a technology learning and why I think so many of us struggle with it, especially women who have been teachers before, is that it's not tech is not a checklist it's a real world experience and so the more real world experience you can get uh the better off you're going to be so that's really the perspective that i take so when i'm talking about that overlearning thing what i see is people taking maybe a ten dollar course here a ten dollar course there but it's this breath that isn't helpful as opposed to one path that gets them further and further along through this real world perspective. So that's really the lens that I encourage people to take. And I think as long as you're making progress on that one path, as opposed to this and that and this and that, you're going to um, serve your career well. And um, that's the path, that's the lens you want to stay on, regardless of you know how long it's going to take you or how you're staying up to date. And I think that through that lens through that real world lens you're going to get those and, and acquire those new skills because that's what's going to be at the forefront now if somebody comes to you right now and they say you know total career change right so they're in a different industry maybe they're underemployed maybe maybe they've never been employed maybe they got out of high school started a family and then you know now it's been 10 years and they decide on parole I, oh, I'm <laughs> they, they want to get in the workforce prison. I, I feel like there's an untold story here daniel uh, so <laughs> So for somebody who you know, just recognizes that technology is a, a good career field, what kind of positions do you steer them towards as that like first job moving into the industry? Mm-hmm. So I, I will say that there are lots of great entry-level jobs in tech, um, many that require you know, less education, not necessarily a bachelor's degree. I specialize in those positions that are on an agile team more of the design and the development. I've always been around software, uh, those pieces together. And I I really specialize in that area. Reason for that is, uh, you know, sysadmin can be great, but there's a lot of on-site work. And you tend to get more uh, remote opportunities in the development environment, it's just greater. So those are the ones that I steer my moms towards, but that's not necessarily true for, um, you know, for everyone, if you're coming out of college or, if you're coming from a different industry, I think there's just a plethora, there's so many, that one of the things that I do as, a, as, as part of my program that's helpful is really define specific positions like UX designer, like junior full stack developer and help um, my members understand those specific ones. But I'll go back to uh, what I said earlier is that you, you pick one. It's really important to pick one and keep progressing towards that one. Um, in narrowing it down as opposed to just tech in general. You can always branch out, but getting that first job, I think there are lots of opportunities if you just stick the one, stick with the one course and then um, learn into that point so you can be a valuable member and get hired. All right, so if people want to find out more about URTechie, uh, what, what's the website they can go to? URTechie.com, Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y.com. So it's all spelled out. Perfect. Yep, not the, not a, none of the URTechie. 
R type, uh, you know. Yeah, you use vowels. Stuff. How innovative. Yeah. It's, it's we got use umlauts. vowels. Because <laughs> I'm over 40, so we use all, yeah. we spell everything all out. Yeah. And techie is spelled with a Y just to annoy people because it really bothers them. So. Sure. Yeah, I, that <laughs> was the one part. I was like, that, on it. I guess we need to clarify that part because it could people <laughs> could be putting an IE. Did, did you buy that yeah. domain too? Yeah. Oh, okay. oh, IE? Yeah. Oh, I can't tell. I can't share that. I can't disclose that information. Oh, I'm totally <laughs> buying that domain right after this. Great. There's a court order. Yeah. <laughs> creating my, I'm creating my dad's yeah. uh, website. Parole where... revoked. <laughs> and uh, and the are pod... going to associate me with the prison. And I, have I don't know. No listen, there's a lot of people that are trying to turn their life around. Yeah. Just got out of prison. <laughs> Tech might be a great job. We, them, we so. saw it the six-year gap in your in your resume. We weren't sure. <laughs> and we're, you're going with the kids' story. Yeah. Uh, I haven't yes. seen these kids. Um, do, do the do the people have to come and and bring the child to prove? To the, yes. to the meet no proof necessary. No. Proof. no. Your first kid's no. name is Warden. The next one, <laughs> CO. Right. You're gonna get us in trouble. All right, and uh, and the podcast that's on the website as well, where people can find that. slash podcast and. Um, we have a 100th episode coming up soon. It's going to be an incredible get a, uh, giveaway that we have. So a lot of members are going to want to check that out. Listeners, check it out. Join it. The podcast is really popular, you know, because you can get a lot of, just like you guys, you can get a lot of great free information. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, you know, it's a beautiful thing that people can get this information and learn more about their careers. Fantastic. And I know we, we mentioned, uh, or we were talking before the show that you're up in the Raleigh area, but this this is a, a website that, that is, you know, nationwide, worldwide. It's not just uh, uh, geographic, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So our membership, so we offer a membership and um, our first cohort, we had people from Amsterdam to Hawaii. So also have a lot of, I've had no Australian members, but a lot of listeners. So uh, we're, we're mainly focused in the U.S., but uh, this is really applicable all over the world. We found um, a lot of, you know, the moms, they get hired and it's really exciting. It's great. It's great to have a supportive community to go through this with. I think that that helps a lot of people know that they're kind of on the right path. So. Yeah, it's definitely an issue that's, that's universal, uh, so it would apply uh, to, to moms everywhere. So that's fantastic. Well, we appreciate what you're doing, and we thank you for uh, taking the time out of your schedule and joining us today to, uh, to tell us a little bit about it. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed speaking with you. All right, stay tuned, everybody. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and discuss the news on TechNATO with Don Pizzette. So right now, this is an awesome company. We've developed a study group environment where we have small groups of four to five people in each of our office locations that meet once a week and they, they talk together about what they're doing in their certification. We developed a recommended reading list. We do a couple chapters, each one, uh, as well as the IP Pro TV videos. Not only does our company provide incentives to take the tests, but we pay for the tests. We also pay for the time to study on the tests, and we give a bonus to the employees if they pass the test. It's one thing to study for months on end toward a goal by yourself, but to have someone else with you like there's a lot a lot of benefit for that all right thank you so much to ellen for joining us and uh and teaching these three dads about the problems that my three dads my three dads yeah, yeah. it's an 80s sitcom yeah, but that's the remake now oh, it's yeah, three dads. yeah that's right because everything's a remake now that'd be fantastic <laughs> i can't I mean, who would play them i don't know let's see here paul reiser right and then of course the, no, he's the, the granddad yeah. the other guy <laughs> the other they're guy. still in it. Steve yeah. Gutenberg. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Steve Gutenberg's still alive. No. Was that uh, Steve Gutenberg? No, it was no. it was Paul Reiser and some yeah, but the other, other dude. I don't know. Oh, the long haired guy. Yeah. 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 The cool dad. The cool dad. Yeah. Right. All right. Let's get into the news while we think about who that third dad 
will be that they have added. Tom Selleck. And Tom Selleck. <laughs> now, that's three men and a baby now oh, that we're doing. Right. I'm okay. getting confused. Same thing. <laughs> yeah. Mixing them all up. All right. Uh, our first article today is from Tom'sHardware.com. Oh, that's why you said Steve Gutenberg, right? Was he in... Tom's Hardware? Baby? No. He was in Project Gutenberg. He was in Three yes, Men and Baby yeah. and A Little Lady. Okay. Anyway, uh, back to uh, totally Tom's Hardware. Yeah. 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 Worst I'm, episode ever. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very high bar to reach, actually. <laughs> America's most reliable network. Nope, that's the Verizon ad on the top of the page. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's huge. It's massive. Yeah. No, What's funny is I got a Verizon store like literally right next to my house. I ain't got crap for bars. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Can you get the Wi-Fi from the store? I'm going to have to because. Right, she hasn't started the clock yet on this five minutes of the article, <laughs> which is good. And go. Microsoft launches Windows 11 SE and Surface Laptop SE. So this is both a hardware and a software launch, then what is the difference with SE here? All right, so SE is an all-new, heavily crippled version of Windows. Like, it was beyond whatever It's like my seen. Verizon signal. It's, it's impressive. Uh, you know, throughout the years, Microsoft has released a few versions of Windows that were designed for really low-powered systems. Usually, RT? Usually, yeah, like for emerging markets, these are, are popular in, in countries that don't have well-developed economies or used in schools where they need low-priced equipment. Um, in the past, they've crippled Windows to make it work and only run like two or three applications simultaneously, but otherwise it's basically Windows. They're going a slightly different tack this time with Windows 11 SE. It's that same idea of a, well, basically a free operating system that's built around a particular piece of hardware. So it's allowing them to release effectively a Chromebook competitor. So a the, the Windows 11 SE Surface or Surface Laptop SE, that one is $250. Pretty inexpensive for a laptop, and it runs this special version of Windows. Now, when I say it's crippled, though, they have gone above and beyond. Um, first off, you can't install software on it. What? It requires an IT department. You have to use special management utilities to push software to oh, it. So it's so, literally only for schools. It wouldn't be the thing you get for your for your kid to do homework at home. But, Correct. Like special management tool, you mean Linux. Uh, <laughs> it's a group policy. You got to push it through that, or, or Windows Intune, or whatever Intune is now called, yeah. Endpoint Manager. Whatever. Uh, so <laughs> whatever. But uh, so you can't thing. install software on it, and even your IT team, they're able to push software to it, but it's limited to certain things: content filtering apps, test taking solutions, accessibility apps, uh, apps that facilitate classroom communication, essential diagnostics, and web browsers. So and that's TikTok. It. Yeah. Uh, How fast can yeah. I get Linux on this? Uh, well, so interesting. You can do that. It's yeah. actually not even hard to do it. But once you do, there is no way to reinstall Windows 11 SE. So How fast can I boot it to a live Linux CD or disk or whatever? Uh, you'd have to boot off a USB, but That's you can do I mean. it yeah. instantly. Yeah, it, it is still an x86 processor, so it's not like an ARM processor, which is actually kind of neat. It's a, a Celeron that's yeah. in it. Uh, it comes in a 4 gig and an 8 gig model. So it is designed to be a low-priced uh well, these used to be netbooks. Then now we just call them Chromebooks in general. That's what this is designed for. But if you're excited and curious to learn more about Windows 11 SE, you'll probably want to take a pass on it unless you work for a school. So when we say, you know, Windows SE is launching and the Surface laptop is, is launching, you can't get the, the Windows version without this specific hardware? Right, but eventually Dell, Asus, uh, you know, HP, they'll release their own SE versions, or, or maybe they won't because like Chromebook pretty sales. Pretty invested in Chromebooks, yeah. Well, Chromebook sales have been plummeting really? these last two months. Yeah, good. the pandemic is reaching its end, and oh. so you know a lot people of want people. A real laptop now. If you had a kid that had to work from home and you were not like in a privileged family, then yeah. Chromebooks are the perfect solution. Yeah. We, we had a Chromebook. Uh. 
<laughs> what, are, what are you saying, Don? Yeah. <laughs> you actually have a Chromebook? My daughter does. So, oh, yeah. You know, yeah, my kids have Chromebooks. So there you go. I mean, so I'm not, I'm not privileged. Yeah. You, no, no. She, she, uh, she has to, you know, run on the treadmill to power it. He took a shower at the bus station. In our dirt morning, floor okay. home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reality is like a, a, a middle school, high school, or elementary school kid, they're not going to take care of a laptop. You don't no, want to buy them a $2,500 Mac. Yeah. 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 She's asking for a Mac for Christmas. It's not going to happen. Yeah, never. <laughs> I'm going to get a little uh, sticker of an apple and put it on the yeah. back of that Chromebook. There you go. This is the new Mac. Here's a Mac. It's from 20, you know. <laughs> Zero zero. <laughs> yeah, I actually have an old Mac, uh, like an old uh, uh, MacBook Pro at home from like 2014. I was like, yeah. I could just put Chrome OS on this. Or it's a knockoff brand, like M A C K. Yeah, it's a Mac. Mac. <laughs> well, I used to watch those shows with her um, when she was younger, like the iCarly and stuff like that. Oh, and yeah. all those Nickelodeon shows, um, it was kind of like in the same universe, I guess. Right. They all had pair pads and pair uh. phones. Uh, and oh, they were like really? on so the back, it, it was a pair instead of an apple, That's but funny. it was like on all the Nickelodeon shows, they had the same uh, technology, which is kind of cool. Nickelodeon used to be awesome. It yeah. Used to be. Get, used to be. You get slimed all the time. Yeah. It was so cool. Good times. No, it's not. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, that's interesting. So, but, but more so if you're, uh, you know, an IT at, at a school district or something, that Correct. might be something. To that's who into. it's targeted towards. But yep. even still, I, I feel like I'd want to wait till like Gen 2 or... Yeah, I mean, if you think about a Chromebook, I, you can run Android apps on it, I suppose. But otherwise, you can't install apps on a Chromebook. It's just limited to what's in the web browser, which you could effectively do with this, too. So yeah. it really is kind of apples to apples. Ooh, not nice. so much apples. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Yeah. You, did there. <laughs> you. Pairs to pairs. All right. Our next article comes to us from TechRadar.com. Tor browser is getting a much needed makeover, and and this is the uh, what we use on the on the dark web, right? To be anonymous. Yeah, it's the the easiest on ramp to the Onion Router network, or you know, the Tor project. Uh, if you want to get connected, you can do the command line client, build a tunnel up, and go through all that, or you can just download the Tor browser. It automatically connects, and now you're browsing with pseudo anonymity. Which, <laughs> pseudo anonymity. Uh, it's, it's about as close as you can get from most normal people, I think. Yeah. Uh, but one challenge that the Tor browser has had for a long time is that when you launch it, it's almost like you're stepping in a time machine to web browsers of 10 years ago. <laughs> uh, visually, it's not that impressive, and it's missing certain functionality that people like to have. It's got the Yahoo toolbar. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it's based off of Firefox. and The they, old one, or I thought the new one is as well. Both, both, both of are? them. Okay. But the, the old one was based off of a obviously older version of yeah, Firefox. Firefox 1. And Firefox, Firefox has really done some big changes over the last few years. Mozilla. And so now they're, they're basically stepping up to that uh, and bumping up to the new ESR version of Firefox. So that means that if you install the Tor browser today or version 0.4.6.8 or higher, then uh, uh, you will see a much more normal interface, I think, which makes the Tor browser a little more user-friendly. You don't want your uh, browsers to look like they were ziplocked in 1998. And <laughs> you know, so... I remember when I first got on the World Wide Web, right? So uh, when I started on the internet, the web was not a very popular thing. Uh, it didn't kind of exist the way that it does now. Uh, so one of the first browsers that came out was just called Mosaic. Yeah. And it's what ultimately became Firefox was a circuitous route. Right. Uh, but the Tor browser didn't really look that much different from Mosaic from back in the day. It just, they weren't focused on it. They were focused on privacy right. and security. It was function over form. So now I think they've reached that point where they're like, well, we're 
pretty darn secure. Let's start looking at some of the other things we can do to make it better. Well, good for them. It's about dang time, I'm sure. And everybody likes to have that pretty experience. I, you know, as long as it shows me my web pages and I can find all the things I need to find, I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, when I'm, you know, buying uh, heroin in bulk and, and trafficking, <laughs> trafficking people, I want to uh, have as the best do. experience possible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'll oh, see I've, you. I've uh, remember we were talking about prison earlier? Yeah. <laughs> Never yeah. mind. Never no, they mind. won't catch me. <laughs> they won't catch. I'm me. on the dark web. You I see. am anonymous. I'm fully anonymous. I, That's right. I use my my code name, which I will not tell you. <laughs> <laughs> What's your Onion V3 uh, link? <laughs> Don't even know what that means. I, I'm sure I'll be caught in about five minutes. <laughs> oh, here comes the FBI now. Like, you can't catch me. I'm on the dark web. Yeah. Okay. I have under. Oh, you know that, that might actually be something worth mentioning. You mentioned like Onion V3 links. Yeah. Uh, that they've been basically saying that they were going to discontinue V2 links for a long time. Yes. In this new version of Tor, they've finally done that and discontinued V2 links. So if you have anything with a V2 link, it will not work in the new browser. Did we finally cross that threshold where V2 is like, uh, hey, it was fun, but yeah, th- this will officially kill it well, off. Hey. Like that's that's the end of it. So in the Tor browser, do I need to open an incognito window? <laughs> And make sure I delete my history afterwards. So, if you run it in tails, then it's a little that's a little overkill, I think, at that point, isn't it? Or ah, when you're selling no. drugs on the dark web, there's no such thing as overkill. Right, yeah, you got me there. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a lot of guys sitting in prison saying, "I wish I yeah, man, if I did whatever with the tails thing that he was talking about." So. Gets a new computer every time. Every time he spins it out. <laughs> hey, if you're selling drugs, you could probably afford that. Yeah, right? yeah you could probably pull yeah. that off. Yeah, I just watched season three of Narcos. Those Dude, guys could afford it. Pablo Escobar had some money. <laughs> yeah, he had money that he so much like it was rotting from yeah. having to bury it. burying it all. Adam was telling me that they stopped counting it because it just took too long to count, and that they figured out how much money was in a fully loaded semi trailer or one of those secrets, oh and then they just weighed secrets. <laughs> To see how much money you have. I mean, it's like when you get tickets at Chuck E. Cheese, right? They don't count them. They yeah, just they weigh in the bucket. Yeah, yeah. Same, same thing. Same they learned that from Pablo. Yep. Pablo Escobar actually owns Chuck E. Cheese. Or, or used to. I can see that. All right. Uh, we're just going off the rails totally in this episode. <laughs> As we should. Uh, next article is from securitymagazine.com. Uh, the new strategic direction for CMMC 2.0 is announced. And this is a term I had not heard until just recently for the first time, CMMC. But is is this something that uh, is pretty well known in the security I, world? It's been around a while. Uh, Daniel, do you know when it came out? It's I do have years. no idea when it came out. No. Yeah, it, no. It's been around a while. Uh, so CMMC, or the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification, is a U.S. government initiative. And what they're trying to do is make sure that contractors that they work with meet minimum security requirements. And this is designed for companies that really do software as a service. So you have a software platform or an application that you're selling to the government to use, and they wanna make sure that you're following industry best practices. Well, industry best practices aren't well-defined. And so they created the CMMC, the maturity model, to be able to measure where a company was in terms of their maturity. Uh, and not like our immaturity, but like your, your cybersecurity <laughs> stance. Uh, yeah. so, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, we failed, by the way, just yeah. then. Yeah, when, you go to, when you go to a government website, it's just fart noises. <laughs> <laughs> just, then you know we were there. Uh, so they created five tiers, basically. And you, know, you could be CMMC tier or level one, yeah. two, and up. And, and this was all designed not for like secret information. It was controlled but unclassified information. So just sensitive data, not secret data. Well, 
the model's needlessly complex. There's a lot of hoops to jump through. It's difficult to define it. And so they've announced CMMC version two, which is designed to be far more simple. It's reduced down to three tiers. The first tier, you can do self-attestation. Why do I have such a hard time saying that word? Uh, Self-attestment. There we go. Uh, And and so uh, self-attestation. Damn it. <laughs> I thought I was going to get it that time. Uh, but we're giving him a fart can, noise. He likes those. Yeah, you you can game. audit yourself. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so you can audit yourself and then say, you know, I attest that we meet these requirements and, and we're good. But then when you get to the tier two or tier three, you actually have to go through some some uh, actual rigor. You actually have to have yeah. an audit done and all that. Tier two uh, is where you switch papers with your neighbor and they grade your paper and you grade theirs. Yeah. yeah very and, and when you yeah. said you go through rigor, I just see us all getting stiff. Yeah. <laughs> I'd see, I almost made that joke, but I held back because yeah. some people could take that the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some people get really excited about security. Uh, now, uh, another nice thing about this is they decided just to follow the NIST standards instead of defining a whole separate set, which is what they did in version one. So if you do work for the government or if you're for a private company, but you sell to the government, this is going to be really important because in a few years, probably in about three years, this will become a requirement for organizations to sell to the government. You will need to be at least tier one on the model. Uh, so version two is simpler, makes it easy to hit those goals. Not really any excuses now to you know just not get in there and do it. It is kind of funny when you read through different regulations and standards and things, and they do tend to be a bit ambiguous about certain things that you would think they would be more detailed about. Like self-attestation. Like self-attestation, which That's you nice said work. correctly. Good yeah. for you. I told you, the fart noise gets him right on his game every time. Yeah. So it's 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 odd. Like uh, I think I first thing comes to my head is PCI, right? In PCI, they talk about doing a network uh, vulnerability assessment to make sure that it's not a flat network. That there is segmentation, and can you reach into yeah. other areas? But how you do that is not described, and that could I, can I ping? You know, <laughs> and if you can't ping from one network to the other, cool, you win. You've you've checked the box, and you are secure. Right. Yeah. Like, so weird that they would leave that a little ambiguous and not be more distinctive, make it really easy to follow. Give me something I can sink my teeth into so that we can do this. Yeah. And and this is just more of they recognize how dangerous it is out there. These attacks are happening unchecked. And we just need to make sure that everybody's doing their due diligence. And this is a part of it. All right. Fantastic. Good talk, everybody. Yeah. (laughs) No, I feel a little bit smarter now. Um, which isn't saying much. All right. Our next article is uh, one of our favorite segments, Doe. Because this is one of those, you know, facepalm things here from ArsTechnica.com. Uh, Apple isn't actually patching all the security holes in older versions of macOS. And that wouldn't be an issue except for the fact that these are supported versions of right. macOS still. And so uh, if you... Uh, well, I was talking about my old laptop at home. I can't upgrade that one anymore, but I think it's still on a supported version right now. But sure, I'm vulnerable then. So Apple, you know, a lot of people praise Apple for how well they support older hardware. Like you'll get updates on your iPhone for years and years versus like an Android phone where you're lucky to even get two years of, of support out of well, it. Well, they give you that update where it slows your battery down, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, sometimes they do that. Yeah. Uh, but you do get updates nonetheless. Uh, on their desktops and on their laptops, you get updates for many years. It's not uncommon for them to still, at least from software, support 
hardware that's seven years old. Uh, but on their operating systems, they go back two versions. So there's whatever the current version is and the two previous ones that they still push updates for. So that means you don't have to rush to do an update when you know, update to the newest version of macOS when it drops. And Peter, you've learned over the years, like when a new version of macOS drops, you don't want it day one no. because it breaks most of everything. All, yeah, any <laughs> peripheral device or software use. As long as you're only using Apple software and you're not plugging into anything, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, you're so, good. So for most of us, though, we had that safety net of, hey, I don't have to upgrade to Big Sur because it just came out. I can stay on Catalina because Apple still supports it. However, security researchers found that while they are still supporting the older OSs, they're not doing a good job of patching them. And one example they found was where a particular zero day was patched in Big Sur, but the same patch was not applied to Catalina until 234 days later. So... That's a huge window of vulnerability. And this was something that was being exploited in the wild. So for 234 days, people running macOS Catalina may have thought they were secure, but they were vulnerable to an exploit that Apple not only knew about, but already knew how to fix. They just didn't do it. This is a pretty big black eye for Apple's security posture. Now, I thought there was a security update for every uh, hardware run, you know, Mac hardware, which is Linux. <laughs> that was your same answer to the Windows problem. I know it's from weird before. how that keeps popping up. Well, maybe if you have a, an Intel-based Mac, but yeah, if you got an not M1, the Zim ones, yeah, not yet, not, not yet. ready yet. But nothing works on the M ones except Apple stuff at this uh, point. So apparently, I actually, not. It's, it's, I did it's have a chance, Apple Utopia. He was just talking about. I did have a chance to mess with their their X64 emulator. Oh, so, yeah. like you know, when you run a, an app that's Intel-based, yeah. it'll actually emulate and run it. It, it does runs pretty, pretty good. well. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Not not virtualization software, but right. other things, other things run yeah. fine. But uh, but yeah, so this is just a big warning for people that uh, in the past you may have hesitated or even said, "Hey, I'm going to skip this OS and I'll wait for the next one." Because Apple does release every year, which is a little bit annoying. Um, but that is annoying. If you've been holding off, you may actually want to step up a bit because Apple's not focusing on those previous OSs. I mean, you only spent two grand on the device. I, you only wanted it for a two year grand. Or you got two. the base model. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to like you didn't get the wheel. The every man's Apple is. I wish I was joking, but I think the MacBook Pro's base model is yeah, it's like two thousand bucks. Yeah, yeah. How much was the wheel kit on that? Uh, Nine hundred dollars. I remember that. I think we it was that wasn't it four hundred for the yeah, wheels? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Oh, I thought it was more. I thought it, it was. It may have been per wheel. Uh, maybe that was if you got the polishing cloth with <laughs> uh, it. Oh yeah, that thing. Was <laughs> the polishing cloth. I actually know someone that bought that. Are you uh, kidding me? No. So apparently on Apple's website, it's the only thing backordered right now. Uh, <laughs> people have been making jokes about it, like the supply chain. Is, yeah. Yeah. It's it's finally hit poli big polishing cloth. Yeah. That's what I've been worried about. Hey, there's a there's a term in this uh, article that I'm well. There's a lot of terms I'm not familiar with. Uh, <laughs> but at the top it says uh, zero day or end day. What's an end day? So a, a zero day is one that they've discovered that nobody knows about yet, right? Yeah. So this has not been known in the wild. But when you talk about an end day, that means it, it has been known for a certain number of oh, days, right? So we're saying right? it's so 234 be, days, they, they could have patched, but... But at didn't. that point, the interval doesn't really matter. It's just right. any number of days. We know, and it hurts. Please make it go away. So it's like N in, in algebra. Okay, <laughs> got it. It's a variable. It's, it's a variable. It's a vegetable. It's a vegetable. <laughs> it's a mineral. It's bigger than a bread basket. Yeah. All right. Uh, our next article is uh, we're taking a look at who got pwned this week. Looks like you're about to get pwned. Fatality. Yeah! 
All right, this article comes to us from Fox News, so I assume it was the liberals um, <laughs> that were, were pwned. Uh, FBI aware of and investigating fake FBI emails sent to thousands. So yes, then. <laughs> yeah, the, FBI, the fake emails hit over 100,000 inboxes, and I love that the FBI is investigating their own... Uh, <laughs> what yeah. happened to yeah? Like I guess I just have to go down to tail, IT right? and arrest yeah. that guy. Yeah. Is that yeah. what they I arrest do? me? <laughs> uh, so yeah, so this is people uh, last week or a couple weeks ago were getting emails from at ic.fbi.gov legitimate email accounts. And do we know how this was happening? Yeah, so uh, really interesting, and I I can report on this firsthand because I received the email. Uh, so I was I was part of the thousands, uh, which. Really highlights something a lot of Are the articles. Are you on like some sort of FBI list or something? Well, <laughs> interesting you should ask. The attackers that pulled this off, so this was actually fairly sophisticated as far as attacks go, and it, it's just bizarre. Um, actually, let me let me back up. Let me walk you through what the experience was like from my end. Okay. Because, Please. so I'm... I'm the CTO for an organization that is is fairly public. People people know my name. If you want to figure out my email address, offenses. it yeah. takes two seconds. Uh, and so I get phishing attacks. I get uh, spear phishing, like specifically crafted to me, on a weekly, if not daily basis. So I, I am constantly receiving that. Uh, so on Saturday afternoon, I get this email from the FBI. Now. I don't get emails from the FBI a lot, believe it or not. Uh, so immediately, I just assume it's a scam thing. And so I start to read it. And when I read the message, the message is so ridiculously over the top. It's just crazy. So you immediately knew it was a scam. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, here, I'll just read it. So this, this is the actual email that I got. Uh, it says, our intelligence monitoring indicates exfiltration of several of your virtualized clusters in a sophisticated chain attack. We tried to black hole the transit nodes used by this advanced persistent threat actor. However, there is a huge chance he will modify his attack with fast flux technologies, which he proxies through multiple global accelerators. We, I could probably stop here. Yeah. Like, does that, does, I mean, I, I, I know all those words are real, but does that make sense <laughs> in context? So many buzzwords. And then it, it goes off the chain with, uh, oh. we identified the threat actor to be Vinny Troya, whom is believed to be affiliated with the extortion gang, the Dark Overlord. Uh, we highly recommend you to check your systems and IDS monitoring. Beware this threat actor is currently working under inspection of the NCCIC as we are dependent on some of his intelligence research. We cannot interfere physically within four hours, which could be enough time to cause severe damage to your infrastructure. Stay safe. U.S. Department of Homeland Security. <laughs> Love, Cyber FBI. Threat detection. Yeah. Yeah. Hugs and kisses. So so that is the email uh, verbatim. I, I just read yeah. the email as I received it on it Saturday. It sounds like your mom wrote it to you. <laughs> I think I was telling you earlier, Daniel, like this would have fit perfectly on the set of like NCIS yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Like yeah. It, All my proxies. Yeah. All the buzzwords Get jammed together. Get here on this keyboard, which will use one keyboard <laughs> with two people. Yeah. And uh, Vinny Troya is a security researcher. He's given talks, you know, so I guess trying to portray him as a rogue. Maybe yeah. this was somebody with a vendetta against him. But so I, I, I was not worried about this when I got the email. But I did think it was interesting because it was missing some of the red flags that I normally see on these emails. So it came from an FBI.gov address. But it didn't get rejected. And so just on a whim, I was like, you know, I wonder if, if they've got their SPF records or DKIM, DMARC, all the email protection stuff in place, which, of course, the FBI does. So uh, Don responded with his private keys. So, <laughs> so then I, I just got curious, like, how did they send this email? Obviously forged a domain without tripping all the alarms. And so I dug into the email header and 
it legit came from the FBI. So as, as fake as this email is, an attacker found a vulnerable server at the FBI that they were able to relay email messages through and they relayed this message through it. So it passed all of the email checks. It even passed the spam filter, got right to my inbox, which is a pretty big accomplishment. And it made me wonder, why did they waste such an opportunity with say. something so stupid? Yeah, this is like just a prank. That, yeah, that's what gets gets back to me. Like, was there a call to action of, of no call to action whatsoever? And so that's what made me go and do a little more research. And that's when I found out something interesting that doesn't seem to be reported on a lot. Not a lot of people got this email, right? Right, only 100,000 uh, people. In the thousands, 100,000 maybe. And of the people that got it, they're almost all well-known system administrators or technology right. managers, CTO, CIO. So the attacker had built a list of people that were viewed as valuable targets, right? Which <laughs> maybe they were wrong on mine, but the rest of them were valuable targets. Uh, and so it just shows that somewhere out there, I'm, I'm on a list yeah. that says this is a technology person and might be a valuable, you know, might be able to expose other credentials if we compromise his account. Uh, so... The FBI is kind of wiping a little egg off their face this morning yeah. and or earlier this week, uh, and they've already kind of shored up that one system that was compromised. So it was a subdomain, ic.fbi.gov. So, uh, it was part of an authentication system. Yeah, so they don't have to to actually gain access to the mail server. You can gain access to any system and then just route the email through that. Right. This was an authentication system. So, you know, it would like kick out a verification email and they took advantage of that. Uh -huh. And so that's why I was able to go through the legit mail servers and pass all the legit checks because it used the legit systems. That's kind of funny. <laughs> I once again want to just take this opportunity to offer my services to any of the these malicious actors out here that I will I believe you send that's me illegal. your copy. No, it's fine, it's fine. You send me your copy, I will rewrite it for you uh, yeah. in American for a English. Low, low price of like twenty percent. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that would be aiding and abetting. Eh, it's, a, it's a gray area. <laughs> I, I haven't done it. I've just offered to do it. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if you don't care about your right to vote or own firearms, then it's, it's good business. Here's what you do. Is you just, just send me what you think would be a good phishing email, and we'll talk about yeah. why that's not. Yeah. And, Don, I, I don't vote, and none of my firearms are legal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like, so I sold a pair of bar stools on, on Facebook Marketplace this week, and of the maybe six interested people, Three were clearly scams because they would. Oh, I would yeah. be like, "Oh, sorry, someone else is coming to pick them up." Great, can you send me your phone number? I'm like, first of all, you clearly didn't read my yeah, email, yeah. but second, you know, but all these people, it's just so easy to tell right away it's yeah. a scam. And I'm going to send you a money order for two thousand dollars, and then if you can just bring the rest of it back yeah. to me, I trust you. you know, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have like a uh, registered letter sent to your house. It's going to have a check in it. You fill the check out. It's like what? I did that one time. I went down the steps this was yeah. years ago actually when i worked somewhere else because i had it sent to the company yeah. just to see and a fedex came and it was a, it looked like a check except it was just copy paper you know there was no perforated part and the yeah. signature was like typewritten and stuff and then i got the email oops my secretary sent it for 1500 instead of 150 can you send me the difference i'm like no it's fine just send me a new check i'm cool yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i just want to see how long i could mess with this guy but yeah hmm. well, anyway I'm, I'm here i'm available um, for one Bitcoin. So <laughs> for one, geez. I know in the past when we've reported on like cloud outages, I've said, Hey, if you have a network outage, don't feel bad. Even the, even the big boys have that happen, right? Amazon, Microsoft, Google, they've had their outages. Well, if you're on the cybersecurity yeah. side and you accidentally expose a, a vulnerable system, 
Even the FBI's had it, so it's uh, it's try just, that line with your boss. Yeah, <laughs> see how that far that gets you. Know that you can get a job at the FBI. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> yeah. one is open now. Yeah, I'm that. All right, uh, I want to let you know about a couple fun things going on. First of all, it is almost time again for our 12 days of IT, where we are unboxing 12 different uh, IT gadgets, and we are giving them away uh, in a YouTube live at the end. So we'll have 12 different videos uh, leading up to. Uh, let's see, that starts on November. 29th and then on December 10th we're going to be doing the live uh, event where we give out all the items um, not to give any the items away but I think on TikTok if you follow our IT Pro TV account we did a little preview so you can check out some of the items there um, but head over to go.itpro.tv slash 12 days and you can register to win and you'll be put in the raffle and, and uh, then watch the YouTube live and, and see if we call your name and you get one of the cool items so Keep it for yourself. Give it to the IT pro in your life, whatever you want to do. That's your call. Uh, also have a webinar happening later today. This uh, this webinar comes, or this podcast comes out on Thursday, November 18th. So at 2 p.m. Eastern time, we're doing the cloud data protection on AWS webinar, where we're talking about best practices for staying secure on AWS with Tracy Pierce, who works for AWS. So she'll be able to give us the inside scoop. Uh, don't worry if you are listening to this after that fact, we will uh, also have it on our website very soon. Head over to itpro.tv slash webinars. You can sign up for it if it hasn't happened, or you can uh, check out the archive of that uh, a couple days after it takes place. So uh, itpro.tv slash webinars is where that's at. And finally, head over to technado.com and you can check out all of our episodes. You can subscribe. Uh, you can send in viewer or listener mail. You can tell us, um, I don't know, what should they tell us this week? If you put your tree up yet, let us know. And where, where do we draw the line? Yeah, yeah. where? When does it end? Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? The answer is yes. Fact. <laughs> yeah, I also get, in tr or get mad at my neighbors because you're supposed to leave the, the lights and stuff on until January 6th. I didn't uh, know it was the sixth. That's when the wise men came or something, which I don't uh, know. That one came by like bullet train or something because that's so very fast. So last time I checked, the wise men took a couple of years to get. Well, it might have been January six, a couple of years later, <laughs> oh, but it's gotcha, the gotcha, gotcha, feast gotcha. of the ascension well, or feast of something. So it's, your lights stay up year yeah. round then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> rednecks have had it right all this time. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah. So anyway, um, while you're on technado.com, uh, there's a big orange button in the corner that says sponsored by IT Pro TV. Check that out and you can get 30% off of the lifetime of your personal membership uh, to IT Pro TV. You can also request a team trial and find out all the great features available to teams from IT Pro TV. All right. That should do it. And we, we still will have an episode uh, next week, which is uh, Thanksgiving week here in the United States. Um, so, you know, all of you Australians who are like, hey, we're not off. Don't worry. New episode coming. Anyway, we have a lot of a lot of Netherlands viewers. I've Do noticed. we really? Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, I, I just thought of a good uh, call to action for our oh, viewers. Um, I've noticed that we haven't had a lot of WTF articles, so, you know, the, the crazy off-the-wall tech stuff, and usually the holiday season brings them out. So uh, yeah. if you spot any articles about weird wackiness in the tech world, Make sure you submit that. I like yeah. the tinfoil hat stuff too. That's yeah, that's pretty fun. Well, last year I don't know if, if we if it was WTF or tinfoil hat, but we talked about someone selling around the holidays like there was a lotion or something that you could stop five G. Uh, I know there was that USB key. There's the USB key. Yeah, it was like three hologram milkshake duck or whatever. That yeah, was a good milkshake one too. duck. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that yesterday. There was the guy in the in the UK, the taxi driver that that. Uh, 
like locked a terrorist in the oh, car yeah. so his explosion happened in the car as opposed to where he wanted to do it and i'm like oh this guy's a hero and i'm like in like five days it's going to come out oh turns out you know here's the the twitter messages he sent to children yeah. or you know whatever oh, goodness gracious yeah and that's that's a milkshake duck. that's a milkshake if you duck. have not heard that term but we have a segment for that too so if you're aware of any milkshake ducking let us know too at technado.com <laughs> like how you verbed that i don't know if that's right but yeah. <laughs> it's a weird enough word in its own so all right, guys. Well, good episode. Thank you so much to Ellen Toomey uh, for joining us. And thank you all for watching. And we'll see you next week right here on Technated with Don Pizzette.